Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Okay, I have two new obsessions that I need to share with you. Impress No Glue Press-On Mannies and Impress Press-On Falsies Lashes. Trust me, these are getting ready game changers. Both require no glue, so there is no damage to your natural nails and lashes, no mess, and no annoying dry times. Just one step and you're done. Boom. Instant glam. Visit impressbeauty.com slash presson and use code PRESSON25 at checkout for 25% off Impress Manicure and Press-On Falsies. One of the things that they talk about is rocks in kids' backpacks. So, you know, you picture your kid walking around with a backpack and every time there's a fight, every time there's a conflict, every time you say to your kid, I'm not supposed to buy this because, you know, our agreement says, you know, mom is supposed to pay a hundred dollars and I've already paid my 30. And every time there's a fight, every time, like every time there's something, it's a rock in their backpack and it gets heavier and it gets heavier and it gets heavier. And by the end of it, their backpack is so heavy, they actually can't walk. So if they fall to the floor and they can't pick themselves up. You're listening to Divorce Party with Monica Casey and Tom Arnold. Our guests today are registered social workers, Gabby Silverberg and Helen Yak. They are here to help navigate separation and divorce through a therapeutic lens. They also are co-founders of their company, Rise Up Counseling. Welcome to the show. Gabby, so exciting. And you guys are in, is it Ontario? Toronto. Yes. Ontario. Yeah. Okay. Well, we're just Hi. outside of Toronto. It's all the same. Okay, we'll get yeah. it. Hello. Yeah. Hi, hello. Hi. Hi. How are you? Hi. I'm going to bring Tom in. Tom and I just got done doing a show this morning, and then we raced back home so we can meet you guys. Hello. Hi. Hi. How are you? How are you? Good. Nice to meet you. Amazing. So I found Helen and Gabby, I think just an awesome Instagram post that they had. And I thought it was really interesting because you are the first social workers that I've seen sort of in the divorce Insta sphere. Can you tell us a little bit about how you met? You know, give us a little bit of your backstory. Um, okay, so Gabby and I met over 20 years ago when we worked in child welfare, uh, which would be equivalent to your Department of Social child Service, family. I guess, and child, child and family. Um, so we met very early in our careers. And, uh, you know, 
I call it a trauma bond, right? Like we did it for so many years and we always had a plan to get out. How are we going to get out? How are we going to get out? What's our plan? And we had what called what we called the 10 year plan for, I don't know, 20 years um, until finally I left in about 2018 and Gabby, um, she continued her stay at in child welfare for a couple more years until I think her husband and I really sort of bullied her out to say like, it's time for you to leave. It's enough. You've got to get out. Well, I also was offered a package and I thought, Oh, hello. This is my opportunity to get out. Yeah. It was right in the middle of COVID. It was 2020. Yeah. Yeah. So in the height of COVID when the world. And I just got married. It was less than a year of getting remarried. Yeah. Oh, nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, so in the height of COVID, the world shutting down and uh, Gabby and I are like, hey, let's quit our jobs. Let's leave our pensions and open up a private practice. And who knows what's going to happen with it? So that's what we did in um, March of like February 2021. We opened up uh, Rise Up Counseling. Um, we really we knew what we kind of wanted to do versus sort of what we felt comfortable with because of our experience in child welfare. We dealt with high conflict all the time. Like we were not scared of difficult people or threats or, you know, difficult clients and, and the conflict. And so, and then Gabby has her experience with divorce. I'm, you know, I have, I have my experience with being a child of a very um, difficult, you know, conflictual uh, divorce. And so it kind of just made sense. We're like, oh, here we go. We're good with conflict. We're good with divorce. Let's do this. And here we are three years later. Um, in private practice and we're busy and it's 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 a good busy we feel very lucky uh but we also recognize that there's just not support for people like there was not the support that my parents needed when they were going through divorce um so we just feel very lucky to be able to do this kind of work what you've done in your career which is uh, amazing 20 years it's like working at er my friends are er nurses or doctors say you know there's a time because you're seeing it, you're seeing it all. You're seeing everything, and then, and uh, hopefully, at some point, they they have to go to Plan B, which they can take the wealth of their experience and knowledge and humanity and put that into something. So I'm, I, uh, I think this is pretty wonderful. Well, one of the things that you said when you were giving us your backstory is that you guys weren't scared of like difficult or or tough, you know, because I feel like in divorce things can get scary adults can make threats and all kinds of things and i just think bravo we need more people like you because i think i would have a heart attack every day after work just you know stressed over some of these high conflict people yeah it, it can get stressful um obviously but when you've worked in child protection and you have the opportunity to sort of dabble in everything. So, you know, we've dabbled in understanding child development and, you know, mental health and substance misuse and separation and attachment issues. So, you know, you sort of touch on every component and it gives you a huge amount of experience. What we've done around that and sort of pulled from our own personal experience is sort of said like, we really want to make this therapeutic. We want to try to support families as best as we can. We recognize how important it is to have healthy relationships with both parents, even if the parent isn't perfect, because what we learned in child welfare and one of the mistakes that was made in being in that industry for so long is even if you've grown up in an abusive home, and you get removed, you go back to that home. You want to have a connection with your parent, you do. So when we see one parent trying to cut off a relationship with the other parent, 
we've built in our knowledge around safety and how to put in safety plans and how do we navigate perspective as opposed to fear and try to incorporate that into the work that we do with families. Um, so it's really transferable, um, and, uh, and, but, it's, but it's not easy, it's hard work. But that's where we have each other. <laughs> we just support each other. You guys have to work together uh, sometimes on specific cases, or will you, you know, consult each other to kind of get through some more difficult ones? We'll consult, but there's always an element of confidentiality. But because, so if I'm working with a couple, let's say, and one person needs some individual support, I can say, you know, why don't you work with my colleague, Helen, and she can provide that individual support while I'm providing the couple support. What's the, the standard scenario for someone who comes to you? So I'm sure you can appreciate that nothing in the divorce world is standard. And, you know, so we set, we specialize in separation and divorce. It's, it's, it's what we do. And so we are seeing clients that are just wanting individual support because they're very early on and they kind of need a little bit of coaching. What do I do? What don't I do? How do I communicate with this really difficult ex? Um, how do I support my children? How do I tell our, my children that, that we're getting separated? So we're do, we do some of that coaching piece as well. Um, we will do family therapy. We have clients that are coming to us very, very early saying we are getting separated. We really want to develop a healthy co-parenting relationship now um, so that we don't have to come back and see you in 10 years because we do have clients that are coming to see us five, six, seven. I think for me, my, you know, I, I've had a client like eight years and still nothing signed and they're still managing the, the co-parenting relationship and the parenting time and the kids, it's just the situation is getting worse. So we really want to prevent them from going down that path. So we're seeing clients in all varied stages um, of their process and some even like they're separated, but now they're introducing new partners and there's new kids coming along and how do I introduce, you know, new partners and, and children um, so I, I, my dream is to have them so early on before they even get to that place where there's so much conflict. One of the things that happens, and I don't know about the, the process where, you know, in LA, but in, in Ontario, people end up in these massive assessments and here they're called a section 30 assessment where they're doing parenting plans and who gets to make decision making. So someone comes in and they make these grandiose recommendations on what should happen to your family. Um, and they're a fortune to do. They're intrusive. You know, it involves like every single person you've ever known in your life and, you know, potentially might know in the future. Um, and it takes months and months and thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars. And so we don't do any of that. We stay far away from assessments. We've had enough time doing assessments in, in child protection. So what we do is from a therapy to clients that prevents them from going down that path. Let's keep you out of court. Let's keep you out of these assessments. Let's get you to a place to bring some accountability of what you can do and what you brought to the table. Because we recognize that, you know, the dance you created in, in your marriage, and I always use this analogy, when you're in a relationship, you have a dance. And that dance is well choreographed, whether or not, it works or doesn't it's still well choreographed when you separate you have to sort of do uh, you know a, a whole other uh jig and you need to re-choreograph that dance and what's that going to look like so yeah so tom i guess in, in answer to your question we're seeing there is no standard we're seeing a wide variety of people and you know kids and, and couples and, and whole families um yeah i think it's interesting that you just said that it 
for a lot of people later down, it's just getting worse. Like I know for Tom, it's, you know, it's six, seven years and it's, it's still bad. And a, a friend of ours that we do a show with same thing, he's like five, six years out and it just seems to be getting worse. So uh, any advice to. Well, early intervention is key. I mean, that's, and Helen was around when I was going through my divorce and that was kind of so key for me. It was like really difficult eight months from the time I sort of decided to separate to the time that my ex moved out of the house. But I knew, I was like, this needs to happen fast and it needs to stay out of court. And those were my two intentions. And, um, and you know, and then the healing begins. And people, once that separation agreement is signed, people are exhausted because however long it's taken, that emotional, physical, financial burden that it puts on people is extraordinary. So the longer it goes on, the less capacity people have to make good decisions, right? They're not there, they're not sleeping well, they're not eating well, they're, it takes such a toll on your life. So early intervention is absolutely key. That, that's what we see. That's what we try to hope for. Um, but it's, it's, uh, we don't always get that. And I think the people that are six, seven years in, like, you know, like you're describing, um, it, it would have been nice to have early intervention, but really our best suggestion is you got to put some egos aside. If you really want to work towards something different, egos have to go to the side because what happens, and I'm sure you've experienced, is it becomes a win-lose mentality. Who's right? Who's wrong? And then of course, let's throw, let's throw some lawyers in there. Let's throw some litigation. And it just keeps upping the ante. And so when we're seeing clients six, seven years down the road, we're saying, we need to actually get back to the basics. We need to start how do we start forming trust again? How do we start forming respect again? And how do we put your ego to the side in order to do that? One of the most challenges, and, and I actually saw that, I think it was Monica B. reposted today. One of, the, one of my favorite lines is, um, you, you can hate your ex all you want, but you gotta love your kids more. And if you can focus on loving your children more than hating your ex, it really sort of puts things into perspective. It's not about the child's best interest because there's obviously a legal definition about what that means, but from a therapeutic, you know, um, sense, it is completely different because obviously two people with different parenting styles may have a different opinion on what that parenting style or what that best interest is. And so I actually don't use that frame of language in my sessions. I'll say, no, 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 we're not talking about what you think is in the best interest. What is your hope for your child? What would you like to see? Because then we just get in, into a power struggle around, well, it's in the best interest says who you like and well let's so so it's, it's about language and just putting ego aside well i think you're I, I agree with you that no matter what the kids they they love their their dad they love their mom most hostility you know which a lot of people feel in a divorce that that may go on and back and forth and all this stuff for a year but then you get to a point where you say that I love my kids more than I hate you, right? Yeah, like right? you just hope that loving your kids is the one thing you can agree on. In my case, we started the early, before we got divorced, I, my ex would pick some uh, therapists and stuff to, to consciously uncouple, which I was all for. And we'd meet with these people and they'd be, you know, talking about the family and the post, uh, how we're going to do the parenting. And then at a certain point that that person would say to my ex, you can't be hostile and contemptuous in these meetings towards him. And, and she'd fire her. And then we'd get another person and she'd fire her. Then we, so this is an ongoing, at a certain point, you got to go, okay, this is how it's going to be. We're going to try to make this agreement where we have no contact. 
that's the best thing for the kids. You know what I mean? And, uh, but I think that there are people that uh, it, it are not reasonable. There are people that can't get beyond, it's really about them. My question is, how do I get relief from here on out? How do I make things better? I got them, they're in therapy, they're doing, you know, I've obviously worked myself 24 seven. I'd like to have some hope that there is an end of the, the thing here, but perhaps there just isn't. What are your opinions? I mean, first of all, I think hope is huge. You have to have hope. I think it's extremely powerful when people lose hope. That's very like that. That's detrimental to your own well-being. So start with the hope. Then the second thing I would say is is knowing what's in your control and what's not in your control. And this is a lot of the work that we do with our clients because what is in your control? What is in your control is how you respond, the repair work you can do, how you connect to your kids. I mean, you may 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 not be able to control the outcome of where your kids are, but you can control how you are as a parent. So, you know, like the parenting principles, being consistent, being predictable, creating a stable environment. I mean, we're talking about building upon those principles and then literally hope for the best because one of the things that we often speak to our clients about is that if you're fighting, it's such a short period of time in your children's lifespan. So if your kids are five years old, let's say the best age, like 15, 16, that's when they're going to start telling you to, if I could, can I swear? Yes, you say whatever you want. <laughs> right? I mean, you know, but like when my daughter was six, 15, 16, she's like, I can't, I can't do this anymore. And it had nothing to do with her father. It had to do with her own ability to get herself organized to move one house. Yeah. Like it was all for, so you have to start giving kids are teenagers. They're going to be teenage brains. So if it's 10 years and we live 80 years old, like it's a small period of time in the lifespan. So take what's in your control and and manage that as best as you can and hope for the best on how these kids turn out. Well, I have a question about the kids going from house to house because I know, you know, my daughter's nine and, you know, can you kind of elaborate on how it affects them in the good and the bad ways, children that have to go between two homes? It's going to look different depending on the, the children's age, right? So what, what it looks like for a five-year-old is going to look very different for, you know, a 15, 16-year-old. So if you kind of think about that younger group um, around what that looks like, there's a couple of things that when you're talking about parenting plans, what parents need to consider. First of all, your need to see your child frequently needs to be kind of put to the side because there's a lot of transitions that go back and forth and that can be hard for kids, right? Like, so, you know, there's just like two, two, three split, for example, let's just say, so they're back and forth and back and forth and they don't have a second to settle in. They also don't have a second to adjust to the different parenting styles and vibes of that home. When you're in a when you're in a relationship, those parenting styles are prevalent, but there's barriers, and they're not obviously they're not as obvious, and they don't make such a big deal. But when you're going from vibe from home to home with different vibes, kids need a second to transition, and parents receive the kids, and they're ready to like, okay, so let's you know let's get the program, let's you know, and they start planning all these things, and 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 grandma's coming, and, and the neighbor's coming, and they haven't had a second to process just entering the home and adjusting to that vibe. So, you know, we'll tell clients like, give those kids a half an hour to be jerks, right? Like let them just get the energy out, let them adjust and then be like, okay, now we're done. 
and now we're going to, you know, continue on. But parents don't give those kids opportunities a minute to adjust. So that's, you know, in terms of- That's of a good gift kids. we can give them. I'm gonna add one thing yeah. to that. It's not just also letting, it's also building, rebuilding attachment, right? So, you know, so also lots of hugs and kisses. Like if they just need time to adjust, don't bring them. We see lots of kids, the transitioning is so hard. So whether they need time and space in their room, whether you need to give them lots of hugs and kisses, depending on their age, Right, give them that moment to reattach to their environment. I think that benefits kids more, the more parents can be civil and cordial in times of any sort of engagement. Yeah. Some of the work we do is specifically around how can you just be kind during transitions? That's it. Just a smile. How are you? You know, okay, thanks. Take care. You don't have to get into deep conversations. You don't even have to talk about the kids. Cordial and kindness. And you, the kids are watching. And I think something that Helen always says, and based on you know her experience, the children are also going to learn who their parents are, right? They are going to figure it out on their own. So the space to do that is also important. What about parents, or I'm sorry, what about custody where a parent lives in another state and say their arrangement is like the kid goes there for the summer? Like, do you have any... Um, suggestions for how parents can handle that transition and, and kind of get their kid ready for that? Because I actually do know some parents in that situation here. Um, I do, but I just want to kind of just go back to one other point before we move yeah. on. And I actually have a client that I, I that is in that exact situation right now or a former client. Um, but just, I want to go back to the transition. The one yeah. thing that's so important, particularly with younger kids too, but with older kids, when we go back to this win-lose mentality and I contribute this portion of amount and you contribute that portion amount, parents start with properties belonging to them. And when, I don't know about you, but when I buy my 15-year-old a very expensive you know, sweatshirt, for example, as much as I worked for it and it's my money and I think maybe it's an extravagant gift, it no longer belongs to me. I give her the gift and off she goes. And I am not ever allowed to touch that sweatshirt again because it now belongs to, you know, my 15 year old daughter. And so parents, co-parents need to have that same mentality. So for example, school uniforms, um, uh, I bought these pants and, and I bought this shirt and this is my pajamas and so it has to stay at my house. So one of the things that parents have to realize is that once you purchase it, it's not yours anymore. Nobody cares about your home, your money, your time. <laughs> Kids don't give a shit about anything about you because they don't see you as a person, right? Like you're a mom, you're a dad. That's what they see you as. And so when parents get stuck in this has to stay at my house or no, you're not allowed to bring that special cream that you love to, to mom's house. Um, you know what starts happening? kids start resenting and they start not wanting to come for the, for that to, to your parenting time because they care about their stuff. They care about, you know, what they want there. They need, they don't feel at home now. And now they're like, Oh my God, I have to think about what do I need to bring? Oh my God, I forgot my cream. You know, dad's not going to drive me or mom's not going to buy me a new one. And so it actually spirals. And so when we talk about advice, I don't care what the child support payments are. I don't care what the split is. Once something belongs to the child, it is theirs and it, they should have free reign to bring it back and forth. And so um, it's a really important piece because I and, and I, I'm working with clients now that we see 
parenting time has stopped over clothes, over items, because it belongs to that parent. Again, when we're in a win-lose mentality, that's what happens. Parents start to not see the impact. We talk a lot about intention versus impact. So your intention is that I pay $5 million a month for child support. And so I'm not going to buy any more cream where the impact is like, I don't care what your child support is on the child. The kid just wants their cream and they don't care whose house it's at. And so therefore they start going, to, they stop going to that house. So I just wanted to kind of add in that tidbit because well, the good. anxiety it creates in the child. What if you, you fight, figure out that one of the parents uh, uh, is abusive and not physically abusive, not, but, but, you know, emotionally abusive. And they just, they, they, to the other parent, they're like, you will not ignore me. I'm going to do whatever I have to do to, I mean, you could work really hard on yourself and go, okay, I'm going to, I see the signs. I'm not going to engage. I'm going to, you know, but it, it, what, what would you do if you saw where one parent, you're like, this is just, this is unacceptable behavior just in general. You know, so um, ascending emotional abuse is really, really hard. Again, it goes back to the impact onto the child. So when I, when we, you know, in my experience outside of even in working in this field, we're able to use my skills that I, that we learned in child protection. So, you know, things like, uh, how do you teach the child to be more aware? How do you teach the child to have boundaries when their one parent is hounding them and stuff like that? So you have, if you learn, sometimes people throw kids into therapy and think that they have the skills and the capacity. Well, that's helpful sometimes, but their brains are still developing. It's confusing. So as a parent, you, if you understand it and you see it, you can have a lot of power in terms of supporting your child through those difficult moments and helping them to create boundaries, helping them to recognize that this is not real information, right? This, what, what the other parent is saying to you, whether it's emotionally abusive in some capacity, poke holes in that story, right? You know that this is not true and this is why. Let's talk about it. How can I support you? What, what do you need from me to be able to get through this? Here's an idea of what you can do when you're at the other parent's house to, to you know, protect yourself a little bit more, right? So how do you do the work to prepare the kids and give them the skill them up to manage it? If you're stuck in this, you have to go to the house, right? Um, that it, it is not easy. We see it often, unfortunately. Um, sometimes it's not intentional because it's based on what Helen said. There's a lot of ego involved and insecurity and, you know, possession. You're my child. I rate, you know, whatever they, whatever the statements are. Um, but it's hard on the kids. So if it goes beyond a certain threshold, I mean, we've had to call child welfare in our job because the other parent during a visiting time has been physically aggressive. And, you know, we deal with parents who have criminal charges for one way or another. We have to deal with their conditions. But if it's emotional, it's really hard. Skill up, skill up the kids, right? Boundaries and skill them up. Yeah. yeah, and I just wanted to add to what Gabby's saying around sort of giving the kids the tools. Uh, we work with a lot of kids and what kids tell us all the time and when we work with kids um, who are going through separation whose parents are going through separation divorce we, we have parents do the intakes with us and so they're very much involved um, we're not there to fix children and we say the magic doesn't happen in our room it happens in between the sessions and what are you going to do with the problem um, 
And so kids are always leaving our office saying, my parents have no idea. They have no clue what it's like for me. They don't know what it's like to pack a bag. They don't know what it's like to have, you know, one parent talk bad about the other parent. You know, daddy's talking about giving them tools. The best example I can give is when kids, when your child comes home from school and says that they were bullied by a kid. What do we want to do as parents? We want to go to that school and we want to tell that kid to back the hell off our kid or else, right? Like we go into like fight mode and, and we go into like this like protective thing. Mama bear. And that's, mama bear. And so, and that's what co-parents do. They're like, oh, specifically when there's high conflict. Oh, they said that? Oh my God, I can't believe they said that. And they start engaging in that's that. That's not okay. That's not okay. And then the kids believe it. Yeah. Mom says that's not okay. Dad says that's not okay, right? Right. Yeah. That's exactly my explanation. In terms of what the child needs, what the child needs for me. And so going back to sort of my bully example, if you said to your kid, I'm going to go to school and I'm going to deal with that kid, your kid's going to be like, if you walk to my school and embarrass me, I will like literally die of embarrassment. Do not go to my school. So you go, okay, what do you need to do to solve this problem? Do you need to, who do you need to talk to? What do you need to say? We need to take that and instead of going into fix mode, which a lot of co-parents think they're, they're going to do, I'm going to email my ex and I'm going to say, why would you say this to them? And, da, 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 and they kind of go on this tangent. Which, which is like gasoline in the fire. Conflict. Right. And so instead of sort of asking questions, leading with curiosity, is an email even need to be sent? Can you give the child the tools to do what they need to do? Now, obviously, this is, you know, not where there's severe abuse or, or neglect happening, but, you know, Co-parents, again, I'm going to say this a million times, you need to put your ego aside and you need to let the children manage that. You need to empathize. If, you, if, I, if anybody walks away with one thing today, I hope it's around empathy yes. and, and empathizing with your child's experience. You cannot fix it. You got, you, got, you got a divorce. You're not going to apologize for that. You can't fix it. It is what it is. They have two homes. You have to parent from two homes. You can't apologize for that. You made the decision. It is what it is. Move on with your life, but allow the child to sort of say, it sucks. Or, you know, it's hard, or I don't like what, I don't like, you know, when you guys are in the same room together, because I get so tense, because I'm so worried that you guys are going to end up in a full on fight in front of my friends. Kids are selfish. And listen, I have two girls, and I love them dearly. But kids are selfish. It's what, it's what they do. And they're not worried about you. They're worried about, oh, my God, if my parents get into a fight during my concert, I'm going to die. I'm going to die in embarrassment and I can't go back to this school. And so they walk into their concert and they're like this and they're looking at you. They're looking at where you're sitting because what you don't do is just as important as what you do do. Just because you're not fighting and screaming at each other doesn't mean that the kids are like, oh, everything's great. What, the kids when know. You, the kids know you're not making eye contact. You're rolling your eyes. You're not, you know, you're like, a, you have together. They're running back and forth. Who do I sit with? Who do I be with? I don't want to insult this person or that person. And sometimes the parents that they're actually feel most connected with are the ones that they ignore because they're worried about the reaction that the other parents can give them. I do feel like the more podcasts and, and child psychologists that I follow on Instagram, I feel like that's the running theme is not trying to fix it, just listen, empathize a little bit. And it's so hard. And I try to, I've been trying to practice that more. Like even when they just get in the car and say, you know, I had a bad day and nobody wanted to play with me. It's not like, well, what, you know, not giving solutions and just going, you know, I'm sorry to hear that. I'm sorry you had a bad day. That, 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 that does feel yucky. Okay. And then 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash acast, and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash acast. Just, I just try to be quiet and drive and just let them feel whatever they're feeling. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So kids that have families that, you know, one family lives in LA, the other family lives in New York. What do you recommend for prepping kids for that transition and also for parents to handle letting go of your child for a few months at a time? So I think the first thing is to establish sort of a really good um, uh, plan around do, does the child have what they need at each home, right? Like maybe they don't want to lug everything that they own, but let's make sure they have the things that are really important now. Face creams, a specific toothbrush or a toothpaste, or let's get them the items they need. Um, let's set up a plan around how often are they going to talk to the other parent? Let's give them the space to, you know, depending on age, do you need to set up a regular time? Do you need to um, keep it, you know, very liberal and, and just call when they want or if they have their own phone, can they text? What happens also is, is around, again, it's around my time, right? This is my parenting time. And I don't want, you know, I don't, I only have them for two months of the year. So um, I don't want the other parent to um, impose on my time again. It's not about your time. It's actually about the kid's time. And kids need that connection to both of their parents, whether it's through text or virtual or FaceTime or whatever it is. The other piece is it's really, kids are looking around to that parent when they're leaving, that, that parent that, you know, that they have, let's say, you know, for, for two months. And if that parent who's, you know, putting that child on the plane is sobbing and is crying, oh my God, what am I going to do for two months without you? I'm going to miss you so much. I don't know what I'm going to do. Oh my God. And like, you are in turmoil. What do you think happens to that kid when they get on the plane? You have not given them an opportunity to be okay with this transition. Um, so I think, and obviously, listen, you can get emotional. Parents get emotional. They're going to miss their children. But I think it's also okay to say, I am so excited for you to go spend this time in LA with so-and-so. And, you know, you're going to do so many great things. And I'm so excited to hear all about it. And, um, you know, I, I'm going to miss you. And I love you. And I hope you have an amazing time. And I can't wait to hear all about it. Send them off in a peaceful way. But if you're going to send them off with a burden, Gabby and I have a course that we sell. And one of the, it's a co-parenting course. It's like a two and a half hour thing for parents to, um, parent, parenting from two homes without putting kids in the middle. One of the things that they talk about is rocks in kids' backpacks. So, you know, you, you picture your kid 
walking around with a backpack. And every time there's a fight, every time there's a conflict, every time you say to your kid, I'm not supposed to buy this because, you know, our agreement says, you know, that, you know, mom is supposed to pay a hundred dollars and I've already paid my 30. And every time there's a fight, every time, like every time there's something, it's a rock in their backpack and it gets heavier and it gets heavier and it gets heavier. And by the end of it, their backpack is so heavy, they actually can't walk. So if they fall to the floor and they can't pick themselves up. So we will say to our clients, is that a rock that you put in their backpack? And it's not about, is the other parent putting a rock? Because of course, obviously the other parent's doing it. I'm not doing anything wrong. But we'll say to them, what rock did you just put in your child's backpack? And so sometimes it's just that image around the impact of what's happening with your children and how you can support them through um, a process where they don't need to feel heavy every single day. It's, kids survive divorce. 100% survive divorce. They'll thrive. They'll, they'll do well in life. They'll be CEOs. They'll get jobs. They'll, they'll be rock stars. They will survive all of it. What they don't survive is the conflict between their parents. That's the part that parents don't understand. At some point, you no longer have that parenting authority. And that, you know, the time where you say, who, who makes the decision around how much time they spend with each parent or what doctor they go to or all this kind of stuff, you lose that parenting authority. And at some point your kid goes, yeah, guess what? I don't want either of you at my childbirth because I don't want you to be a problem in the room. I got other things to worry about. And you know what? I don't want you both to be at my wedding because I don't want to see. So guess what? Neither of you are invited. I don't and, want to come home for Christmas know. anymore. No. I don't want to come home. Right. <laughs> is that is that what happened? Yeah. I mean, it's interesting. I, I've mentioned this before, but my parents separated when I was one and this was back in the time where you could just leave the state with your kid and like get away with it. So I didn't really see my biological father very often. And, you know, it was a phone call here and there, maybe a visit once or twice a year. And I remember hearing all of those, you know, like, Oh, he deducted your birthday present from his child support check or this or that. And it's just, and it's, and it's interesting to this day, I just, I'm not, I mean, there's other reasons too, but I'm just not really close with my mother. Unfortunately, my biological father passed away when I was in college and, you know, I didn't really know him. Um, but yeah, these things really do carry with you as an adult and affects your relationship with them later on. You do start to go, mm, you know, that, that didn't feel good. And and I'm not really close with you now because of it. The kids don't want to hear it. They don't want to hear it. They don't want any part of it. They don't want, I, you know, like check in with my kids. We, we have kids in our, our office. All we hear from them is keep me out of it. They don't care. And they get so caught up. Like there's so many things that they get caught up on, whether it's like a vacation or whether it's, a, you know, the clothes or whether it's this. It's that time is just so precious. Let it go. Let it go. Like even saying, oh, I miss you. I miss you. It makes it more about the person who's missing them than the kid. Let the kid live. Let this be an experience for them to have. Let them figure their family out on their own and give them obviously we're taking away from it you know what if it's really abusive or this or that I mean, we're there's a spectrum here right yeah. i want to know what what are kids today saying or wanting from their parents can you kind of without obviously like cross you know any bounds like what can you speak can more about kids they want space they want well they want to be able to not be in the middle of any conflict that's it 
And we, we, whatever the parents set up, if it's conflict free, they will go along with it. They will adjust accordingly because the parents have set it up for them to adjust, right? And so they, parents have so much power to make this as smooth as possible or as chaotic as crazy. What and about vacations? I feel like, especially in LA, there are so many people that are like, you know, I've got to take my kid to the Bahamas or I've got to do this. Do you think that kids don't really care or it doesn't matter as much as long as you're just spending quality time with them? Like you don't, you know, like I guess I'm referring to like the Disneyland parents that are like, I'm going to outdo this parent with an even bigger, crazier vacation. It is total quality over quantity. Total quality over quantity. Are you going to show up for them when you need, when they need you, right? When they're sick or when they're scared or when they are, you know, applying for universities or when they are being bullied at school, like, are you going to show up for them? Are you going to help kids need to be parented? They need structure. They need predictability. They need to know that, that someone's going to be there for them. That's what they look for. They look for the parent who's going to show up, not the one who's, it's not always about the money and it's not always about, you know, the houses. It's not always about the materialistic. It is, I mean, those things are nice. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> but it is really about showing up. What about for, we have listeners who are also married, but, you know, some of them sometimes are on the verge of maybe not being married. Do you have a suggestion for people who are going to tell their children, you know, we're getting a divorce? Like, is there sort of a a, a less painful way and a calm way to do that? Yes. So I just had this conversation the other day with a couple who are planning to do this. And, and what is um, most important is removing the stigma of divorce. So there are big life experiences that we have, whether, you know, a relative that dies, someone close to them, whether it's, you know, uh, someone lost a job. And so your life circumstances have changed, whether you have to move unexpected, whatever the case may be in life, you are not going to get out of it without a big experience happening. This is just one of them. So you want to set the stage with that mindset already in play that this is a not, this is not the end of the world. As we said, you're not going to die from divorce. This is a life circumstance, and this is an opportunity to teach children how to build on the resiliency of how to adjust with change that they didn't ask for. Maybe they didn't ask to get fired. We didn't ask for this person to die, right? This is a life experience. So with that mindset, you want to be able to be age appropriate. So depending on the age of the children, you're going to explain it in a way that is very simplistic and honest. So if you have information to share like if you know someone is moving out you can give them that information if you think the time frame is okay right if you don't have that information and you don't know like if we're gonna are we gonna change schools do we have to move what about my friends you know you want to be as honest as possible and don't make any promises you know you can't keep so it's not like, yeah, don't worry, we're going to do everything together. Christmas is never going to be any different. Well, that's shit, right? So you never know. So don't make promises, simple and honest. And keep in mind, like, if you make it sound like it's a catastrophe, they'll come across like it's a catastrophe. Like our lives, our family situation has changed. Although your mom or dad and I are still, or dad and dad or whoever, are still very happy and 
you know, uh, we, we love each other. We're not in love and our families look going to look different. And families come in all different shapes and sizes. And so this is how our family is going to change now. And, you know, and provide them with the, you know, whatever information you have. That's kind of the most simplistic way. But it, I also really reinforced, especially with the, I just did it like last week, reinforced, you know your kids best. So you know how your kids handle big, big situations. If they're highly emotional and they need space to think it through or absorb or process, give them that space. If you know that they're going to have a big reaction first, let them have that big reaction. You guys have been dealing with this for how many months now? You've come to terms with it for what, months, years, knowing your marriage is going to end? Your kids, have, maybe they know, maybe they don't know, maybe you've kept it. Give them time to adjust just like you guys have had to, to adjust. I, you know, I'm always surprised at how many kids, when they grow up, their parents get divorced, they're young, their parents are freaked out, they're going to ruin it. And the kids are like, we, the life after divorce, they're like, why did we do that sooner? Why, you know, it's so much better. My kids, I my ex, when my son was four, she'd be mad. She'd go, and she'd wake him up at night and go, your dad died getting divorced. I just had to say, she was like, it was so, so inappropriate. Maybe but don't it, do that. And maybe don't do it on like your kid's birth. Like, you know, when you see those movies, yeah. they're like, my parents yeah, told it, me on my birthday, they're getting a divorce. It, <laughs> but I didn't get into it like, where to do it. Like, don't yeah, let's talk about where and yeah. when. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so, okay. So just to say, it is a significant conversation. I was 13. I had just turned 13. Um, and I remember this conversation. Now, I don't remember every single detail, but I certainly remember where it was, who was present, how the conversation went, and how I felt. How and the first thing I felt, so I, so I was, my birthday's in June. I had just turned 13. So it was very shortly after, like maybe, you know, end of June, early July. And the first thing in my thought was, what a, like, happy fucking birthday to me. Right. That's what I first thought. Okay. Um, now, and then of course, everything kind of came after. So we don't want you to walk away thinking like, I'm going to do it wrong. I mean, obviously there are worse ways to do it, but I think if you can sort of just come up with a plan, come up with a plan that works for your family, you know, you know, in their bedroom, not a great idea at a park where all their friends are terrible idea, right? Like kind of do it, you know, as they're heading off to school, a bad idea. You know, like, so just really think about what is happening in terms of like plans for the weekend. Can it be on a Saturday morning? Can you follow up with a walk or a brunch or, you know, do give, can they have the space to act how they need to act in a safe environment? Um, and I think one of the really most important things that couple struggles with is coming up with a script that they can both agree on and both live, like live with for some time. So one of the, you know, one of the uh, examples that have come to mind is infidelity, right? So someone has cheated and so now they're getting a divorce and, you know, one parent wants to tell the kids why they're getting a divorce around, you know, the infidelity. And so we, we talk a lot about, okay, it's important for you to know that, but is it important for the kids to know that? Well, how will that impact them? And so we do a lot of work around what is the impact on them? Just, and so our advice is, Get support around what to say, even though you are the expert in teach your children how you are going to resolve conflict, how you're going to communicate with one another. In this whole world of, of high conflict, what you're really doing is you're role modeling to your children how it's to resolve conflict. Are you okay with them responding the way you are to their teacher, to their boss, 
to their neighbor, to the friend. You are role modeling. I don't like someone and this is how I'm going to treat them. So make this a, um, a situation where you can role model like we are not in a great place or whatever, you know, like we're separating, but we can still sort of work together and we can agree to disagree and we can develop the new skills that we need um, to be co-parents versus parents. And what do you want your kids to walk away with? Well, I think uh, I'm lucky in some ways because my kids had never seen their mom and I hug. Like my daughter, and she was, you know, when she was maybe two, three, she's like, how did I get here? Like Disney has a king and a queen or a prince and a princess. And uh, I thought, I'm going to show Grace. I made this animation of her mom is up here in the sky and I'm over here. And uh, we, the one thing we have in common is we want you. And I did this whole thing and all love because, yeah, I think with parents, when something like cheating or something happens and then it's like, uh, which is super weird thing for the kids to, to yeah. hear. You I know. hear a lot of parents when that comes up, people I know they're always so worried about the narrative. Like, well, I don't want them thinking their dad is this great guy or the mom. And it's like, everybody it just seems like a lot of people are worried about that. And it's like, you know, you have to let that go. My kids and I said that we're getting ready to go to soccer. This is about five and a half years ago. A moving truck pulls up. We see her out the window. Oh, what's going on? Guys come in, start moving their mom out. I did And they take all this, you know, get out and then, we're like, okay, I think mom is moving. She was there, but she's moving out. And my son's like, daddy, they're stealing our stuff. I go, they're not, half of it's her. Take what you, she wants, whatever. And then, and then a little while later, and then she said, I'll be back for dinner tonight. We'll finally sit down, because so many bad things happen in front of the kids. We'll sit down together like we used to. And for you guys, we'll have, we'll have the dinner like we used to or whatever. And she never came back. But I think that was for the, the best. And, and I told the kids, listen, She's never had her own place. This is going to be amazing. I bet she's got a super cool place, which she does, which this will be like, it's all going to be fine. It's all going to be fine. It's going to be better. It, and really it was, and it is. Things do get better. You know, the kids, and I, I will talk, if they can ask me anything. As my, my daughter asked me a lot of questions about a lot of things. I, I always just told the kids, like, sometimes you want to have, two happy homes as opposed to one unhappy yeah. home. And, you know, while Helen was 13 and remembered everything, my kids were so young, I did everything wrong, probably. I mean, they don't remember. My dad was only two, just turning three. My daughter was like five, turning six. And she has her recollection of me telling her is that I think it was a dream, but she has no recollection at all. So my kids, my daughter has some like where she has like one memory of a fight, but that's all. My son has no memory. He's no memory of us together. All he's ever known is two homes and going back and forth. Because some people say, well, I think we should stay together for the kids. And, you know, the reality is, is that's your choice, but what, how do you want to mentor healthy relationships, right? Now my parent, my kids have four parents and they see a very different view of what relationships look like and that's all they know. So it takes some work and it takes some effort and it has not been a, a perfect ride, but the reality is, is that I, one thing I also really want to take away, hopefully we can take away, is repair. There's always opportunity to do repair work with the kids, to take accountability for your own behavior, for your own mistakes, for your own fuck ups, because we're human and it's going to happen. 
right? I think I even told the kids in my daughter's bedroom, like, <laughs> yeah. and, you know, and when my ex moved out, he just packed up the house and I came home, like, it was a mess, it was a disaster. But I didn't, like, I didn't know, like, that. it is what it is, but there's repair. There's an opportunity to repair all the time. What about blending families? What do we have thoughts on that? And yes, I yeah. really, really strangely, both my ex-husband and I ended up marrying people without kids. But I do like work with a lot of blended families, but it takes time. The one thing I would have to say is never push the relationship ever. Right. Always allow the kids to come to the uh, the other parent. Always don't keep it open. Don't push it. Kids will do it on their own time, right? And uh, and and listen, listen to the kids, listen to where they're at. Um, support and harness that relationship, but never push it. Do you think if people and can afford it, that they should, or if they can, for the sake of the children, you know? keep their relationship going, but maybe separate homes and not blend the families? I mean, have you guys ever encountered anything like that? Um, I, I think before you even get to that point, I just like, I, there's got to be a foundation of work that's done before you even sort of get to a place of like, do we need to do homes? Do we need to whatever? There is a process that happens. Your kids are mourning a loss in terms of the family that they know. And it's kind of like grief. Some days they're good, sometimes they're not. And so when we think about the introduction of new partners, it's impactful for them. It's not to say that it's wrong or that it's bad, but you need to set the foundation for that. So, you know, you can't just, and kids know, you, you bring some, this is my friend. No, it's not. Like you're <laughs> dating. Like, let's just call a spade a spade. If you are dating someone, then don't bring them into the home that this is my friend. Let's have a conversation. The other really important piece that co-parents don't do, obviously when, when, when there's no communication is that they don't prepare the other parents when they're about to introduce a new partner. And the reason why that is so significant, not because you're looking for permission or advice or anything like that, but you're actually providing, if you want your child to be supportive of a new relationship, where do you think they're going to go when they're pissed off when they hear that you have a new partner? They're going to go right to the other parent. And that other parent is going to be taken off guard a little bit and go, what? Wait, I didn't know. How do you expect that child to be supportive? How do you expect them to be okay with the process? So again, in an ideal world, it would be great to say to, to your ex, listen, I've been dating someone for whatever. I think it's really important. I'm when, I want to start introduction. I'm thinking about this plan. I'm not asking your opinion. I'm just telling you. So that when that kid comes home and goes, oh my God, I just met so-and-so and they're devastated, that that parent can support them and hopefully provide messages like, you know, what Gabby's saying in terms of like, give them the space and let them, you know, have that time. So before you even think about moving in or where you're going to live or how that's going to work, you really need to give your children an opportunity to adjust. You're further ahead. You may have been dating this person for like a year. So you're like in love and you're planning the wedding. You're so much further ahead. Your kids need to catch up to that. They need a minute to process and be like, oh, wait, this is weird. This is like someone else with my mom or someone else with my dad or um, and so just give them that opportunity for a second to breathe and adjust and don't lie to them because kids will read through you. They're smart, um, they're bright, and they will read through your bullshit very quickly. Your kids see you in a loving relationship. Like if the only relationship that they've ever seen is this one, then perhaps they will think that's 
how you do a relationship. And I, you know, to see that, 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 uh, uh, that relationship, because everything you do, it's a laboratory here. My kids, they're the way they treat each other, the way they treat, and so every relationship they have outside of here, they're, we are working on all that here. And uh, I think it is important. I also want to say about step parents. Um, I was a step parent in my first marriage. And you got to be, I mean, you're, you people are parents and then they're like, I've got to obligate, I'm a parent, I got the DNA. But a great step parent, they, they, it's pure love. It mm-hmm. is pure love. And I, in, in the best cases, to, to have that extra, you know, that extra hand, that extra, you know, that that's a, is a wonderful gift for the kids. It doesn't always work that way. But man, you know, you get a selfless person that uh, that really genuinely loves the, the spouse. And then also you got to love the kids if you love. And, uh, and you can navigate stuff better because eventually maybe the mother will respect that person. Or uh, and maybe, you you know, I love seeing these families get all together down the line and there's this guy and there's a wedding and the daughter asks her dad and her stepdad to walk her down the aisle. I'm, I'm seriously crying right now. Just thinking about it. That's the best. That's the home run in life, I think. I, I, I got to plug my husband for a second. I mean, it's my current one. It took me, I, I was, there's two things I want to think of that. One is it takes a lot of work when you go through a bad divorce to be able, I would reinforce and let them work therapy. You do the work. You figure out your role and why you chose this person, why you have this relationship. You do the work. And I, trust me, there's a lot of, everyone's got work to do. We all have that. But we do the work. Helen, see me every step of the way. Her marriage is the last. She's on one marriage. I'm on my second. So kudos to her. So, um, so number one, you have to do the work. So my second husband, I waited seven years before I agreed to marry him because of the fear of getting divorced again. But when he did propose with my children there, my son, who had only known him since he was five and on, like seven years later, said, I can finally call you my real stepdad. And that is what took, that's what reinforced I'm doing the right thing. In terms of, I was so afraid, to, I was worried about getting married, even though I knew that this person was going to be my partner for life but that marriage and him being a real stepdad to my kids was like and he fell in love with my kids and he's a full-on parent and calls him his kids is so beautiful and powerful in our family dynamic and I love their stepmom their stepmom's an awesome stepmom like she is she is an incredible parent to my kids so it's it really has turned out oh, nice. but it takes it takes work right and it takes an it, it took some time you know, I'm many, many years out of this, right? So, but I agree with you, Tom, like being a step parent can be a beautiful thing for sure. I had seven stepdads, so it was just <laughs> my cows. I get so, but it had but, to be one good one in the lot. <laughs> that's true. No, it was, uh, I love hearing that story and uh, how the kid, your son's like, I, I call it finally calling you my stepdad again. I'm gonna cry. I can't, um, like, you're gonna take me going. Stop it. This is supposed to be fun. <laughs> I, I cry at things like Hallmark <laughs> movie. I was just thinking, I think I think we need some more Hallmark commercials or, or movies. Remember those Hallmark commercials? They were so good. Ew. Well, <laughs> I'm so glad you right. gave us right. some of your time today. I'm so grateful for you guys. It was uh, a very I don't I don't know if I've ever learned more or uh, it pluses your wealth of experience and the way also you're willing to look at yourselves and uh I think that people will, there's a lot of key things and sometimes people, need, even the best parents need to hear some things because we all, 
we all could slip. I could say stuff or do stuff and they'd go, okay, that wasn't, my kids hear that, but that wasn't, then you said something about their memories. And I, I am shocked about how much they don't remember of the great stuff that I've done with them. You know, <laughs> hey, remember that time we went to, no, I don't remember that time, but, but, it, but it's the best game in town. I love it. I appreciate you guys. Monica, I love these women. You mentioned you have a two-hour course that people can take. Is this an online something we can promote? Yeah, we um, collaborated with someone else and so are selling that course for that. And we use it in our co-parenting sessions. Listen, we recognize therapy is expensive and not everyone can you know, pay for it. And so this is a great alternative, like a quick two and a half hour, like let's just kind of talk about how to develop new skills and healthy um, co-parenting. So I'm very awesome. So it's www.riseupcounseling.com. Now I do have to say for us Canadians, we have two L's in our counseling, not one. <laughs> two L's in counseling, not one. Um, but it's, yeah, so it's riseupcounseling.com. Um, we have an Instagram page, rise.upcounseling. We have a Facebook support group for people living in Ontario. We have about 3,000 members um, on Facebook. It's a wonderful support program. We're on LinkedIn. We're kind of everywhere. So you guys as a team, I'm watching, you know, the, the sub of the whole is probably yeah. better than the individuals. And, uh, I have to tell you, we are best friends. Like, I love yeah. that. like we've been best friends for a couple of decades. So, and we keep saying that if ever anything happens to our husbands, we're not going down that path again. We're just going to reunite and be done with it because we know who our soul sisters are. Right. So, Golden girls. Um, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> On the lanai. Um, absolutely. So, but you know, it, it, I think what makes this work is that um, I know what I bring to the table and Gabby knows what she brings to the table. And I think that's where we complement each other. Um, I always say Gabby's a much nicer one than I am. She's much more calm and patient and I'm a good not cop, so nice cop. all the time. I, probably swear more. I swear more than you do though. I have more of a potty mouth than you do. <laughs> I know, but she's definitely the nicer one. I'm a little bit of the hard ass and it just, it works. And um, it's been, not only has it been, amazing helping people in in this field but it's just been so fun working with my best friend so yeah no but it's it, thank you thank you so much for i'm so glad that we connected thank you for inviting us yeah. we love talking we stuff love talking time. about this yeah. so we really yeah. appreciate thank you deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.
Okay, I have two new obsessions that I need to share with you. Impress No Glue Press-On Manny's and Impress Press-On Falsies Lashes. Trust me, these are getting ready game changers. Both require no glue, so there is no damage to your natural nails and lashes, no mess, and no annoying dry times. Just one step and you're done. Boom. Instant glam. Visit impressbeauty.com slash presson and use code presson25 at checkout for 25% off impress manicure and presson falsies. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowlin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowlin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlinBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.